You know, that's what Shane taught on. Thank you, Brian. Covenant keeping God. Anybody remember that from last week? If you don't, just shake your head yes anyways. Yeah, absolutely, Pastor. I remember that. So Shane kind of camped out and hung out in Genesis 15 and used that to kind of build last week as we kind of keep trekking our way through. Um, we thought we'd get through Genesis maybe a week or two. We're still rolling in it, but I'm liking it. How about you? I asked Pastor, I, we were talking, and, and we talked about this. So should we do this? Should we do that? And we just kind of came to the conclusion, does it really matter as long as we're studying the Word? You know, as long as we are getting in here, getting into the Word, sharing a prophetic edge to it, you know, not just giving a bunch of history and things, but when we say, you know what, I see something here, and I think God has given me something to pull out of this and share with you. And so, I wrestled with a lot of things, and uh, I'm going to stick with Abraham and kind of use that to go into Isaac, and then we're going to jump into the New Testament, because I want to, I want to teach you tonight, and I want to be able to apply it. That's a really big thing for me when you teach to be able to apply it. So you get biblical truth, but then what do you do with that truth? And so as we talk more about the faithfulness of God, we're going to talk specifically tonight about the promises of God. And so a uh, title for this, I, don't, I just like to have a title. All right, this is my moment. Just let me have this moment. Power in the promises. I'm, I'm waiting. Power in the promises, okay? And so we're talking about Isaac a little bit. We're going to talk about Abraham before we get to that. Power in the promises. We're going to jump to the New Testament and see. And then, uh, Lord willing, if I can talk quick enough, we'll get to the end of this and you guys will know how to apply it. Amen? So I'm going to pray real quick. Father, thank you for this time. Before I even teach God, I want to agree with what JoJo said. Lord, just anoint me to speak. Anoint me to teach. Lord, open our ears, open our hearts to receive Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Okay, Genesis 15. And listen, I'm not going to lie to you. We're going to jump through a lot of scripture tonight. And if you don't have your Bible, that's okay, because Miss Lori up there is a pro, and she has got all the scriptures. It is amazing. I was like, are you sure you want all these scriptures? She said, yeah, I can handle them. So it's going to be really compacted. So if you're in Genesis chapter 15, that's where we're going to start. We'll work through 16, 17. 18, 21, I mean, we're going to hit a lot, but it's a little bit in each one, and I want to build on this theme, power in the promises. And so you get to Abraham, and remember in Genesis chapter 12, there was a promise spoken to Abraham, or Abram. i got to make sure I say his name right. Abram at this time. And what did God say? I'm going to make of you a great nation. He has no children, and God speaks this promise. I'm going to make of you a great nation. Well, in order to have a great nation, you have to have what? Children, you have to have offspring. And so we get to Genesis chapter 15, and this is kind of where Shane taught a little bit last week, but I want to get to the, the very start of it. And so verse 2, Genesis 15, verse 2, says, But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me, seeing I go childless? And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. Verse 3, Then Abram said, Look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, one born in my house is my heir. God spoke a promise to Abram, and he doesn't have any children. So what do you do in that moment when there's a promise that's been spoken, but it hasn't been brought to fulfillment? What do you do? A lot of times doubt will creep in. Is it wrong to question God? I don't think so. Because when you're questioning God based upon his promise, you have grounds to stand on. God, you said this. I'm not wavering in faith, but you spoke it, Lord, I'm struggling, you're infinite, I'm finite. And that's where we find Abram. So he's asking, but there's a need, and this need that he has is tied into that promise in Genesis 12. So he remembers the promise. 
In verse 4, God speaks to him and says, Behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body shall be your heir. Verse 5, Then he brought him outside and said, Look now toward heaven, count the stars if you are able to number them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. Here's that promise spoken again. God has not forgot his promise. God does not forget his promises. We need to remember that. When God speaks something, he's faithful to keep it. He remembers it. That's comforting for us. In verse 6, very important verse. What does it say? And he believed. He believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Here's faith. Paul uses this later in the New Testament to tell you what faith looks like. Faith is believing the promises of God. If God speaks a promise and you believe it, that is faith. And so I really don't like to talk about faith as if it's a leap into the darkness. Listen, it is a leap, if you want to put it that way, saying, here it is, this is what God has said. I can't get there by my strength, but God, you said I'll get there. So it is a leap if you want to call it that. But we as the children of God do not leap into darkness and say, I don't know how this is going to turn out. We say, because God said this, because this is the promise, I believe it, so I will obey. And so you have faith is believing and obeying, right? Believe and obey. So Abraham's situation or his circumstance did not determine his outlook. What determined his outlook? The promise of God. He decided to look through the natural and go beyond that and say, God made a promise, although I can't, I can't see it, I can't completely understand it, I still don't have a child, I'm still going to believe God. I'm going to believe God, and that is what he determined would be his outlook. Faith is not blind hope. I want to say this again. Faith is believing and obeying. Okay? you got to remember that if we're going to go forward. Faith is what? Believing and obeying. Okay, Genesis chapter 16. We're moving quick. But not far. Verse 1. Now, Sarai, is this proper pronouncement? Sure. Okay. Now, Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children. And she, was an, she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. Verse 2. So Sarai said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I... Catch that. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram did what? He did the voice, right? I want to point some things out real quick as we're talking about this. Notice that the focus now shifts from Abram to who? Sarah. Okay, the focus kind of shifts to her, right? Verse 2, she says something pretty important. The Lord has restrained me. Okay, this tells me something. I won't dive in too far into this, but this tells me something. The Lord has restrained me from bearing children. That means they're trying. Don't let your mind run too far, but they're trying. They are trying to have children, right? They believe this promise. They are trying to bring it to fulfillment, but there's a problem with that. They're trying to do it in their own strength. They're trying to do it in their own strength, trying to bring it to fulfillment. Verse 2, look at the second part of it. What does she say? Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. Abram, mighty man of faith, says what? Okay, what do you see right here? Let's just talk about it. You see a lack of faith in Sarai's part. You see a lack of faith and stupidity on Abram's part. 
okay? It's not going to work out good for you. I don't know what he was thinking in that moment. It's not going to turn out good for you. You should not listen to the voice of your wife, Abram, in this moment. But you see a lack of faith on her part, a lack of faith on Abram's part, trying to bring the promise of God to fulfillment in their own strength. Catch that. In their own strength. One more point. Abram goes into Hagar, and she conceives. That tells me Sarah's words, or Sarai's words in verse 2, carry some truth. Abram was able to go into Hagar and bring forth a child. But when he went into his wife, there was no child. There is some type of truth in this that God had, for some reason, restrained her from being able to bear children. And here's what I'm thinking. Genesis 2, 24 says... The two shall become what? One flesh. I'm going somewhere with this, I promise you. Two shall become one flesh. So the promise was spoken to who? The promise was spoken to Abram, but the promise that was spoken to him is also for Sarah. Okay, and we're starting to see something develop right here. God is bringing both Abram and Sarah into the realization that the promises of God are only brought to fulfillment by his power. It's for Abram, it's for Sarah. Our responsibility is to believe the promises of God and live in obedience. Believe the promise of God, live in obedience. And so God is bringing into this realization for not just Abram, but for Sarah, that it is only by his power that the promises that he has spoken will come to fruition. So you jump to 17. Genesis 17. Very significant passages here. When Abram was 99 years old, 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am almighty God. Walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you, will multiply you exceedingly. Abram fell on his face and and God talked with him saying, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You shall be a father of many nations. Very important right here. No longer shall your name be Abram, but your name shall be what? Abraham, you have a name change. Very, very important. Very important. For I've made you, what? A father of many nations. Now, I didn't really dive into the name change. Some people here, if you know a little bit more about it, tell me. But I've heard people say that it's significant because when you have that introduction of the H-A, it's very similar to the word Ruach in Genesis, the Holy Spirit. So something is happening here. God is changing his name from just father or great father to a father of many. So he shifted from just great father to a father of many, okay? Got that? So it's important. God has not forgot his promises. God is still speaking. God is speaking. He's giving more revelation as we go, as we get closer and as we get closer. Jump to verse 15. So chapter 17, verse 15. Remember I said that he's bringing both of them into this understanding? Verse 15. God said to Abraham... As for Sarai, your wife, you shall call her, your na- her name shall not be Sarai, but what shall it be? Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Very important, because he already had a son. But God said, I'll give you a son by her. I'll give you a son by her. Then I will bless her. She shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. Verse 17, then Abraham fell on his face and laughed. You would do the same, right? You're 99 years old. God says, you're about to have some kids. You'd pass out. Then you'd get up and say, well, no, I was dreaming. 
99 years old, falls on his face and laughs, said in his heart, shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 99 years old, bear a child? Up to this point, God has not specifically mentioned Sarah in connection to the promise being fulfilled. It's assumed, I'll give you that, it's assumed, but up until this point, you have not had it specifically mentioned that it would be from Abraham and Sarah. So I think it's significant that he's bringing this whole thing together because Abraham already had a child, but it wasn't the child of promise. And that's what we're going to see as we keep pushing into this and we keep looking into this. Now we see God giving greater insight that Abraham will be the father of many through, through the child he has with Sarah. God specifically, this is what I believe, God has specifically waited until both of them are completely unable to produce children. God has waited. Remember, they were trying back in the last chapter we looked at. Now they've got to a point where they say, it's not even worth trying anymore. We can't do it. That's where you have to get. Listen, I'm going to teach you a little spiritual truth right here. When you get to the point where you realize you can't do it in your strength, you are in the exact place you need to be for the power of God to begin to work in your life. God will many times wait for you and strip every vestige of self-righteousness, every vestige of human will and intuition that I can do this. He will wait, strip every bit of that away from you if he has to until you get to that point where you laugh and say, it's impossible with me. But with God, all things are possible. All things are possible. Verse 18, or excuse me, Verse 17, verse 17, 99 years old, 100 years old. How is this going to happen? Verse 18, look at Abraham's answer. And Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. What's he saying in that moment? I have a son. I brought forth a son. God, you're looking for a son. You're going to make a great nation. I've, I've already got one. But how did he bring that son forward? By his power. Right? Right? Not in the plans of God. He stepped outside of the promise of God, took it upon himself, and said, I have a child. But God says no. Verse 19, what does God say? Then God said no. This may not be on the screen. I'm just going to read it for you, though. Sarah, your wife shall bear you a son. You shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant, and his descendants after him. Jump down to verse 21. But my covenant I will establish with who? Isaac. Whom Sarah, and I want you to catch this, please catch this, who Sarah shall bear to you at the what? Set time. Set time. Catch that. Set time. The promises of God, some of them, this is what we need to realize. Some promises of God that you see in the word, you obtain in an instant. The moment you lay hold of them by faith, you obtain them in that instant. Some of them have a set time. And so when you see it, you believe in it, you live accordingly, it may be a day, it may be a week, it may be a month, we'll talk about this later, but I want you to see that there's a set time with God that we often don't know, and he's working many things out along the way, but the promise never loses its power, promise never loses its power, but on many of them there's a set time, an appointed time when these things will be brought forward, and we have to know, and we have to be able to live by faith that God has made a promise. God is faithful, like Shane taught last week, and he is going to bring it to fruition. My job is to see it, to believe it, and to live accordingly. Amen? 
Not with fear, not with doubt. You may not know everything, kind of like Abram. You may cry out to God. You may question and things. That's okay, so long as you're questioning based on God. You said it. You said it. I believe it. I'm struggling in this moment because nothing looks like it's lining up. That's an okay prayer. Read the Psalms. Man, David cries out all the time. But he never gives up hope on God's faithfulness. Same place we've got to be. Genesis 18, let's look at verses 9 through 15. I told you guys we're moving quick. Genesis 18, 9 through 15. Then they said to him, where is, and this is, let me set the stage real quick before I get into this. This is Abraham's angelic visitors. Some people see it as a, uh, what's the right word, a Christophany, or that, the, okay, theophany, there we go, where God has come to visit him. Because the way that he speaks to him, he says, Lord, Okay, but he has these angelic visitors that come to him and they're going to tell him Sarah's about to have a child. So that's the setting of this right here. So verse nine, then they, the angelic visitors, said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said here in the tent, verse 10, and he said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Remember that set time? Sarah was listening in the tent door which was behind him, verse 11. Now Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. There's no chance in the natural. I'm going to put that right in front of you all night. No chance in the natural. No chance in the natural. Therefore Sarah did what? Same as it. Laughed within herself. I mean, she's listening. She's eavesdropping. She's listening through the tent. She hears this, and she has to laugh. And she laughs saying, Shall I surely bear a child since I am old? Verse 14, though. What does it say? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. Verse 15. Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And I love this. And he said, no, you did laugh. I mean, that, that, I just, that cracks me up. I didn't laugh. What are you talking about? No, I didn't laugh. Yeah, pretty sure I heard you. You laughed. But listen, she's at that point. If I'm being honest, she is at that perfect point where she realizes, again, it's impossible. And all she can do is laugh because she's too old for this thing to happen. She says, there's no way. But is anything too hard for God? We hear that almost too much. Is anything too hard for God? We just say it, just... But do we believe it? Do we believe it? Do we believe it? She's past the age. Verse 15. No, you did. You laughed. Seeing that it's impossible in the... That's the, the precursor, if I can put it this way. Seeing something as impossible is the precursor to seeing the power of God in your life. Look at a situation. See that it's impossible in your strength. And be ready for the power of God to be released. That's where you have to get. See it. See it's impossible. Realize you can't do it. And get ready for the power of God to move in your life. That's what we see in this. And let me tell you about somebody else. Somebody else that had a similar instance. Luke. Don't flip to it. Stay where you're at. Luke. It'll be on the screen, I believe. Luke chapter 1. There was another person. Mary. Now let's look at the way that Mary responds, though. When the angel comes and says, you're going to have a child. She's a virgin. Never been with a man. Then Mary said to the angel, how can this be? I do not know a man. Next verse. The angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, 
The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, that Holy One who is to be born will be called, what? The Son of God. Can you imagine hearing this as Mary? Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. And get to a particular spot here. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Yes. Keep going, though. Listen to Mary's response. Catch this, please. Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be, let it be to me according to your word. That's faith. Let it be to me according to your word. Completely impossible situation. No way it could happen, but how did she respond? Let it be to me according to your word. Why? Because she knew, JoJo said it tonight, the word of God will not return void. When you mix faith with the word, power will come out. Period. End of story. I don't care where you're at, what your situation is. I'm not telling you to deny that situation, but I'm saying you may have a fact Here's my situation, fact. But there is a truth that is greater than that fact. God is greater. Nothing is impossible with him. Our response needs to be, let it be according to your word. Not my belief, not what I see, but according to your word, let it be done to me, in and through me. Just like Mary, that is faith, believing and obeying. She didn't question it in that sense. She didn't know how it was going to take place. But she trusted God that if he said it, he will do it. Genesis 21. Genesis 21. 1 through 7. We're building, we're building. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. Did you catch that? He spoke it, he did it. Okay? He spoke it, he did it. We have to believe, we have to obey, but God said it, God will do it. Sarah conceived and bore Abram a son, Abraham and a son in her old age, or in his old age, again, at the set time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Again, obedience. Obedience to what God said, verse 5. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, I love this, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. Listen, when God does something that's impossible in your life and brings it to fruition, it's a testimony for other people. When you get joy out of a difficulty or a situation because God speaks something and God brings it to fruition, it's a way for other people to see the goodness and power of God. Look at your adversity as an opportunity. Look at your, your struggle, your situation, your impossible, whatever it may be. See that as an opportunity for people to rejoice with you when the promise that God spoke comes to fruition. Amen? God will bring it to fruition. Verse 7, she also said... Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. The promise is fulfilled. God is faithful. Now here's where we begin to shift. Isaac. Isaac is known as the child of promise. That's what you need to catch. Abraham had a son, Ishmael, right? But now he has a son named Isaac. Isaac is a child of 
promise. Why? Because God spoke a promise. That child came forth, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Isaac is brought. He is the child of promise. And so Paul, you flip to Galatians now. Flip into the New Testament. Galatians chapter 4. There's a lot of stuff about Abraham in the book of Galatians. But here's what I want to shift. You're going to, you're going to catch it right when I read it. Isaac is a child of promise, brought forth by the power of the Holy Spirit. And Paul uses that same language to speak of us, Christians, children of God. So Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. Galatians chapter 4, verse 28. Now we, brethren, as Isaac was, are children of promise. Let that sink in for just a second. I've learned to do that because Jesus said, let it sink down in your ears. We, brethren, like Isaac was... We are children of promise. Verse 29. But as he who was born according to the flesh, Ishmael, then persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, even so it is now. One born of the flesh, one born of the Spirit. Took Abraham and Sarah, or it took Abraham and Hagar to bring forth one. It took Abraham and Sarah to bring forth another. God will use us, but it's by his power, by his Spirit. Amen? God brings us forward. We, like Isaac, are born of the Spirit. Children of promise, born by the Holy Spirit. When you profess faith in Jesus, there is a work that is done in your heart, salvation that is only accomplished by the power of God. Word of God says you're dead in your sins and trespasses without hope in the world. But by faith in a promise that anyone who believes in Jesus will be saved, we are born again. That's the moment that you become a child of God and you become a child of promise. So from dead in sins and trespasses to alive, to having the Spirit of God within you, the Spirit that produces a cry in you that says, what, Abba, Father, you are a child of God the moment you are saved. This is a miraculous birth, only brought forth by the Spirit of God. You didn't work for it. You didn't earn it. Wasn't by your strength. Wasn't by your power. Wasn't because you were smarter than other people. Sorry. It's because of God. Because of God. Now listen to this. Galatians chapter 3. You just got to flip the other way. I want you to see these things. Paul's struggling with the Galatians. If you know anything about the Galatians, man, they begin really good, but then you had some false teachers that come in and they tried to introduce a lot of works. And they believe it. And they start going for it. And Paul can't take it. Galatians is one of the only books, maybe the only book, where he doesn't open up with a greeting. He jumps right into it. Can't believe you guys are falling for this. It's so Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. Listen to verse 2. Please listen to this. This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? How did you receive the Spirit? Works of the law? No. Hearing of faith. He goes on to say this. Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, being born and brought to life in the Spirit, are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Do you think that God did a miraculous work in you, bringing you forth by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you then can add to His work by your human effort? Listen, grace is not opposed to effort in the sense that we work by the power of the Holy Spirit. But the moment you transition and think, God, I got this, 
That's when you end up where Paul's talking about. You think that because of your wits, you think because of your abilities that you can perfect yourself. It's only by the Spirit. What God begins by the Spirit, he will bring forth by the Spirit. Verse 4, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? Therefore, and catch this, therefore he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? God supplies the Spirit by faith. God works miracles among his people. What? By faith. I'm all for disciplines, Christian disciplines. A lot of times I don't really like that word, though, because immediately we think of something that's working, something that's difficult. I like what one guy calls them habits of grace, prayer, fasting, those things. I'm for those things so long as you're doing them by the power of the Holy Spirit. The moment you think, because I start fasting, because I pray way, way more than anybody else, I read my Bible way, way more than anybody else, and the moment that pride begins to slip in, that's a work of the flesh. That's a work of the law. That's not how miracles break forth. It's by faith. It's almost too simple for us to accept it by faith. Well, pastor, that sounds really easy. Yeah, it is. You're going to have to fight. You're going to have to press forward. Faith is not a sitting down and just waiting, saying, man, I hope things happen. It's seeing something by the eye of faith, believing it and saying, I will live accordingly. I can't get away from that. Faith is believing and obeying. We've separated the two to think it's just an intellectual understanding. Because I know enough about God, I'm good. Man, you got to know it. you got to live it you got to believe it. you got to obey it. That's faith. If you want to see the power of God work in your life, believe it, obey it, and see what comes. See what comes. Faith moves God. I can say that. God Almighty. That's right. God Almighty, who spoke the world into existence, who holds everything together. There's only one thing I know of that moves him, and it's faith. That's, right. that, that's staggering to think of that. You mean I can move God? Now, don't get arrogant in this. He's the one that said it's what will move him. But absolutely. I'm telling you, if you want to see the hand of God, if you want to see the power of God work in your life, you want to see the power of God work in this church, it's not going to be by us figuring out a bunch of works, a bunch of programs. It's going to be by saying, I received the spirit at conversion because I believed in Jesus. That's all it took was faith, and God saved me. All it's going to take to see a breaking out of the power of God is us just showing up and saying, God, you said it, I believe it, and I'm going to do whatever you said to do. Lay hands on the sick, I'm going to lay hands on the sick. I'm going to pray, and I'm going to believe. Walk by faith. Faith moves God, and it should move us. Faith moves God, and it should move us. It's active, man. When you believe something in the Bible, you go after it. You don't just sit passive, but you go after it. You hear it, you see it, you see it in his word, you receive that promise, you believe it, and you live in obedience. That's like we talked about on Sunday morning. The, the apostles came down and prayed for the people in Acts chapter 8, and I can't get away from this. The Greek word for receive is lambano, and man, we translate it receive so many times, but the other times it is take. It is not passive. It is very active. You look that up in the Greek, he could have used a bunch of different words. So if I were to just hand my wife this phone right here and just drop it in her lap, that's not what he's talking about. It's more like, it's right here and this is yours. I wish I had $10, I would do it to you. I'd do it. Done it before. If I pulled out $10 and I said, this belongs to every single one of you, it's yours. You guys would do exactly what you're doing right now. If I'm just being honest, I would too. It's your $10. 
It's not yours, though, in the sense of possessing it till you get up and get it out of my hand. That's the way that many times the promises are. God says, they're yours. They're yours. They're here. But by faith, you've got to get up. You've got to move. You've got to lay hold of them and take them to yourself. And that's what that word means. It means to take it, see it, believe it, and go and get it. Instead of sitting back and saying, God, throw it to me. I'm in the fourth row. No. He's saying, get up and move and lay hold of it. I'm not going to withhold it from you, but you have to ask. You have to seek. You have to knock. Then he gives these things. Amen? Children of promise. We have a right to the promises of God. It's got to change the way you read the Bible. You don't just read them and say, mm, man, I wish that belonged to me. No, you say, that's mine. That's, that's mine. You don't get arrogant, but you say, he's my father. You got to begin to see that he's your father. Yes, he is God Almighty, but he is our father. At the same time, and when he speaks a promise, it's for his children. If I tell my son, this is yours, deacon. This is yours, Isaiah. They shouldn't have to doubt if dad's going to give it to them. I may make them wait for it because I'm letting some things work out. Because right now I know more than them and I let them know that. I tell them someday you're going to be smarter than dad. Someday you'll be stronger. But not right now. Not today. And then I slam dunk both of them. But man, if we, who are evil, the Bible says, know how to give good gifts, how much more does your heavenly Father? Man, you've got to dig out the promises. You've got to find them because they're yours. They belong to you. They are a covenant benefit because you're a child of God. Many times we're lacking power in the church because we're ignorant. I didn't say you're stupid. I said we. But ignorance is not bliss. There are promises that belong to you and that belong to me. But until you find them, until you know they're there, you don't know how to walk in them. There's no power from that promise being released because you haven't found it. You haven't laid hold of it by faith. You've got to read the Word of God more so than just because it's a duty, more so because it's something that you know you should do or because you want to learn it just to get a bunch of it in your head. You need to find the promises. You need to go through Scripture, and every time you see a promise that's spoken to a child of God, you need to highlight it, you need to say it, and you need to begin to pray it. Because that is how power is released in our life. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter's going to back me up on this. 2 Peter chapter 1. I've read this verse so many times, but recently it just just changed. It just changed. God revealed it a little bit more to me. Constantly does that. 2 Peter chapter 1. Tell me when you're there or if you're looking on the screen. I don't want anybody to miss it. Are we good? Second Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ. He's writing to fellow Christians. Okay? Writing to believers. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is where I'm getting. Right here. Verse 3. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, verse 4, by which 
have been given to us, children of God, given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. Given to the children of God. What do these promises do? Is it just good to have these promises? These promises do something. Read the next thing that he says. That through these, what is the these? We're doing a Bible study here. What is the these referring to? Promises. By these promises, you may be partakers of the divine nature. Let it sink in your ears. By the promises of God, we become partakers of the what? Divine nature. Having escaped the corruption that is in the world. His divine power. Verse 3. God's divine power. Not our power. His power. Given to us all things for life and godliness. All things for your life. All things to sustain you. All things that you need to live. But not only to live, but to live a life of godliness. To reflect Him. It's not to make much of your name. It's to make much of His name. He's given you every single thing that you need. All things. Not some things. All things that pertain to life and godliness. Verse 4. Exceedingly great and precious promises. Exceeding, it's like He goes above and beyond. Exceedingly great and precious promises belong to you. And they belong to me. Because we're a child of God. There's power in the promises. Power in the promises. And let's just talk about this real quick because you guys have already experienced this. And to be honest with you, every child of God has experienced the most amazing miracle and the most powerful act that can be done. And we lay hold of it almost like it's the easiest thing to do. And yet we struggle with all the other ones. So the greatest and most powerful promise of all is salvation. Salvation. The promise is for all people. I will say that. This particular promise is for all people, but its power is only released in someone who believes. So, what does the Bible say? Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone. Anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, right? When we, by grace, lay hold of this promise, the power of God causes us to be born again. There's power in His promises. We lay hold of that. You're dead in your sins, dead in your trespasses, with no hope in this world. And by faith, you heard a promise. By grace, you were able to see it, and you lay hold of it. And power is released. The power of the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you're born again. That is the most miraculous, most powerful act of God. Taking a dead sinner and bringing them to the point that they're a child of God. There's power in the promises and we unleash them by faith. Think back to Galatians. You guys got saved by faith. And the power of the Holy Spirit came in you. Saved by faith. And then he says what? God continues to supply the Spirit to you by faith. He works miracles among you by faith. There's another amazing promise in 2 Corinthians 1.20. I didn't give you guys this one. It says, every promise in Christ is maybe. I saw one head shoot up. Every promise in Christ is maybe. Is that what it says? Somebody correct me. Yes and amen. Every promise in him is yes and amen. The moment you were in Christ, became a child of God. Every promise is for you. Do you believe that? 
There's a few of us that do. Do we believe that? The promise of salvation is for all people, but the only way that you lay hold of it is by faith. It's the same thing with every other promise. I'm trying to teach you something. You lay hold of salvation by faith, but we struggle with all the other ones. When God says, I'm going to bless you. When God says, I'm going to keep you. When God says, I forgive all your iniquities, heal all your diseases. This challenges me too, I promise you guys. But it's by faith. By faith you lay hold of salvation. By faith you lay hold of every single promise that's in God's word. You have to lay hold of them. Believe it, obey it. Some promises are received in a moment, instantly. Salvation, many times healing. Other promises are received later. That includes healing. Think about the lepers. As they went. They believed, but they were healed as they went. Some are received in a moment. Some come later. Some are not received in this life. You weren't waiting for that one, were you? Resurrection. Unless he comes back right now, many of us are going to pass away. We won't receive our resurrected bodies until later. But that promise is still good. The grave can't keep it. He overcame the grave. Some promises are instant. Some are later. Some we may not receive in this life, but it is going to come to pass. Hebrews chapter 11. Here's where I'm going. This is where I'm closing. Hebrews chapter 11. I didn't give you guys this one. I'm sorry. Lord, change my plans. But that's okay. That's okay. Hebrews chapter 11 is the faith chapter. The hall of faith is what we like to say a lot of times. Every single person you read about says, by faith, they did something. By faith, they did something. doesn't say by faith, they just sit and hoped. It says, by faith, they did something. You get to verse 30, it says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down. After they were encircled for seven days. God said, the walls are coming down, you've got to march for seven days. Faith was in the hearing it, believing it, and in the walking. Did you catch that? Hear it, believe it, obey it. That's true faith. They walked around, the walls came down. Verse 31. By faith, the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. Verse 32. What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and also of David and Samuel and the prophets. He said, I don't have time to write all this out for you, but I want you to catch verse 33. Please catch verse 33. All these men and women of faith, verse 33, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, and did what? They obtained promises. They obtained them. They didn't just hear about them and think, hmm, that would be good someday. They said, I'm getting it. God spoke it. God said it. It's mine. Caleb is an example of this. Not in my notes at all. Caleb, when he's 40 years old and they go in and they send the spies, 10 people come back and say, oh, them guys are huge. We don't want anything to do with it. And they infuse in everybody else, they infuse fear. you got to be careful what you say. Because if you come in speaking unbelief, many times other people will catch that. But two guys come back and say, we got it. Because God is with us. But guess what? they got to go 40 years because of unbelief. They have to go 40 years around it. But one of my favorite passages in Scripture is when Caleb's 80, 85 years old. He says, I'm as strong now as I was when I was 40. About that, brother. It's got to be related to Caleb Paris. It's huge. 
See, that's what I think. I think Caleb looked like Caleb Parrish. So when he looked at him, he's like, I don't get what you guys are looking at. They're the same size as me. That's kind of, no, I'm just kidding. That's not faith, okay? Rebuke that. He's probably a little bitty guy. <laughs> Here's what I'm getting at, though. He says, I'm 80, 85 years old. I'm as strong now as I was when you spoke it. My, one of my favorite passages in Scripture. He was told that that mountain belonged to him. Right? You know the story. He was told, this mountain right here will be for you. And it's where the giant of all giants lived. Now he's 85. And he says, I'm as stout as I ever was. And he said, you remember what was spoken? Right, Joshua? Give me this mountain. Give it to me. It's mine. Now there's an enemy occupying it, but it's mine. And the Bible goes on to say that he drove every single one of them out. That's faith. He didn't sit back and go, God, you said that mountain's mine, and when you clear them out, I'll take it. I'm waiting on you, God. Get them. Listen, God will fight your battles, absolutely. Many times you got to see there's a promise right there, and it's for you. And you got to say, give me this mountain. I'm going to push through till I obtain it, till I subdue a kingdom, till I work righteousness. I am going to lay hold of the promise, because in the promise, there is power. That is what it means to have faith. And you know what it goes on to say? All of these having obtained a good testimony through faith did not receive the promise. What about that one? That's talking about the resurrection. But they did obtain promises in this life. Yes, they did. Okay? Verse 40, those where I'm going to challenge you. God having provided something better for us. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from us. There's a lot of theology in that verse, but here's what I'm saying. When you read the Old Testament, and these guys and gals saw the promises, and they lived lives of faith, and I mean, they did. It's unbelievable. He says there's some that were stoned, sawn in two. The world was not worthy of these people. They worked works that you could not hardly believe and fathom. But he said there's something greater for you and me. They worked on this side of the cross. Now, we're on this side, where the Spirit is poured out on all flesh, You shouldn't read Hebrews 30 and go, man, I could never do that. You should read Hebrews 30 humbly, but you should read it and say, I can do all that and more by faith, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And this is where Jesus says something that's for every single child of God. Luke 24, 49. Do we have that one? Luke 24, 49. He's got a particular promise. He's about to leave. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. Listen, are you a child of God tonight? Is he your Father? Yes. Is that a promise? Yes. Is it yours? Yes. Absolutely. The coming of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, not only in you, but the Holy Spirit upon you. I'm talking about overwhelmed by the Spirit. God's children in this dispensation, if you want to use that word, are supposed to be marked by an overwhelming sense of the Holy Spirit. That's yours. That's yours. Lay hold of that promise. Lay hold of that promise and live accordingly. There's power in the promises. When you read your Bible, I don't know where you're at, when you read it and you see a promise, you highlight it, you take it, and you say, God, it's mine. Give me this promise. And believe. You might receive it instantly. It might come in a week. It may be years. But by faith, you lay hold of that promise. Amen? Because you're children of promise. I'm a child of promise. Find the promises in Scripture. They're yours.
They are there for you. Father, we love you. Too much for me to even teach and contain it tonight, but I pray, God, that anything I said according to your word that's right and true will be planted in our hearts, God. And by faith, we will go after promises, Lord. We'll subdue kingdoms. We'll work righteousness, God. We will do mighty works. Lord, we pray that you would continue to supply the Spirit to us by faith, God, as we seek you. Supply the Spirit. Let healings come forward in the name of Jesus. It's the children's bread. God, let faith arise and let us do the works. Let us believe and obey. Bless each and every person that's here, God, I pray. I pray for more of your spirit. I'm asking. I'm seeking. I'm knocking because I need more of your spirit to be able to reach a lost and dying world, to be able to minister effectively to the children of God. I need more of your spirit, and so does everybody under the sound of my voice. We're not going to settle for less. You have something better for us. And so we receive in the name of Jesus, and we walk by faith. Bless us the rest of this week in Jesus' name. Amen.